0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Ordinary, and I'm super excited about this series. In fact, I believe today through our conversation that this can be maybe a turning point in your life. The things we're going to talk about, it's nothing probably that maybe you haven't heard before. In fact, you probably had some sort of a sense along your journey of life that the things that we're going to talk about today are true. I think more than anything, my challenge to all of us, myself included, would be that we approach our conversation today with open hearts. That maybe God can, can help us to see something in a way that we haven't seen before that maybe, just maybe, can affect the rest of of our future. Ordinary. I'm excited about what we're going to talk today. Several years back, several years back, I started to begin to have uh, pains in my chest, the left side of my chest, and it was cause for great concern because obviously that's where your, your heart is, and I began thinking to myself, um, are, are these pains that I'm feeling, are they actually pains. I was working out a lot at the time, I was really physically active, and, and so I thought maybe it was just a pinched nerve, but i got to be honest with you, I don't know if you ever had a situation like this where maybe you feel something in your body and all of a sudden your brain just goes to every you know, worst case scenario possible, and, and this is what was happening to me. And it was becoming a, a, a source of frustration and torment, if I'm really real with you. At night, when I would lay down, just, I would just stay awake at night, just, just sweating, thinking about like, man, is, this, is, this, is there something really wrong here? I was tired of living my life in fear. So I told my wife, listen, we're going to get our family together, and we're going to do like a family checkup. And so she was like, okay, we only had one uh, child at the time. We had our oldest son. And so we made this appointment with our doctor, fantastic doctor, uh, who we love. And and we went to this appointment, and my my son and my wife, they went first. And, um, of course, everything checked out as normal and as everything's checking out as normal, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is stupid. Why did it even come? Like, this is it's probably nothing. I'm probably overthinking this whole thing. Um, but it's my turn. So I go in, and the doctor begins the physical. And she asks me, she said, is there anything that has brought you in specifically today that maybe you want us to spend a little bit more time on? And in the moment, I'm thinking, I'm just not going to say, like, it's probably nothing. But I found the courage to go ahead and tell her what was going on, that I've been having these pains in my chest, and I'm, not, I'm just not sure. I don't know if it's nothing. I don't know if I'm overthinking it. And she said, well... The easiest thing to do is for us to just hook you up and, uh, to, to like an EKG where they, where they test the health of your heart. So she leaves. The nurse comes in. They hook me up to this EKG, and they have all of these wires attached to my chest and my body. And, and I'm thinking again, you know, this is, this is silly. Everything's probably going to work out fine. And so I look over, and I see the look on the nurse's face. She seems like a little bit confused. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, well, it's, not, it's just not reading right. I'm like, what do you mean it's not reading right? She says, it's not reading normal. Let me go get the doctor. So she goes and gets the doctor. The doctor comes back in and, and they look at it and she's like, Yeah, it's something something's not right here. She asked me if I had any caffeine or any other type of stimulant, because sometimes that can affect the you know what your heart does and how it functions. I told her, Yeah, I had a coffee that morning. She said, Well, let's do this. Go home, no coffee, no no caffeine, anything like that. Come back in the morning and we'll test again. I remember when I walked out of the doctor's office that day, I had this 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 lingering sense of confusion. Like, is this really is this really happening to me? Have you ever been there? I, I remember I was around my wife and my son, so I'm trying to act like, oh, everything's fine. Like, I just got to come back and check on some things tomorrow, but I'm sure everything's going to be good. Well, on the inside, if I'm honest, it was just this tormenting of my soul. The next morning, I go back, and, and same kind of routine. The nurse comes in. She hooks me up to this EKG, and uh, the same puzzled look on her face. She said, let me go get the doctor. It's still not reading right. I remember taking this deep breath in, And exhaling, it was almost as if my breath was my soul communicating to God, saying, like, what's the deal here? This isn't supposed to happen to me. How can this really be my life? The doctor came back in, and she said, in the way that only she can, in her soft, tender voice, hey, I want you to go see a cardiologist. She said, the signs that we're seeing here can typically be the signs of a thick or enlarged heart, uh, which both are extremely dangerous. And so began a several-month journey for me of just reevaluating everything that my life was about. I thought about my son, I thought about my wife, I thought about my family. I looked at the things that I was doing with my life and I felt extremely empty inside because when I evaluated the expanse of my life, everything that I was doing was extremely selfish as it pertained to my motivations. The things that I was trying to accomplish, the dreams that I was trying to reach, I wasn't trying to reach for the sake of anyone but myself to show the world what I can do, to somehow prove something. And at the end of all of this, at the end of this situation, when life kind of just was put and framed into perspective to me, I came to this conclusion that if I wasn't doing something with my life to make a difference in the life of somebody else, that my life was extremely meaningless. This journey continued in test after test. They had me run on treadmills. They hooked me up. To machines, uh, I'd always been raised knowing that God desires that we would live a life of health, And I had these incredible moments with God where I believed that really came alive to me. And at the end of this journey, they came to the conclusion that while my heart beats irregularly, it is not normal, that it, it is normal for me. And in the future, as I get older, it should work itself out. But it was a changing of mentality for me. It kind of changed the course of my life. I wasn't doing something with my life to make a difference in the life of somebody else. For me, for me, my life was meaningless. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I actually think if you had gone through the situation that I went through, you'd probably come to the same conclusion. And perhaps you already have. You probably faced some sort of tragedy in your life, something that stopped life in its tracks and kind of framed everything into perspective. And everything that life seemed to be about, all of a sudden it wasn't about those things anymore. Maybe for you, it wasn't like a physical ailment, but maybe for you, it was like a financial crisis where everything just halted and you didn't know, how am I gonna get myself out of this pit? Maybe it was a relational crisis. You're like, is this really my life? Is this really my marriage? Did I really lose this loved one? These kind of things are not supposed to happen to me. You probably came to the same conclusion that I did, that life has gotta be more than me just trying to reach and accomplish things for the sake of me. If I'm not doing something with my life to make a difference, what does this all mean? Maybe you're someone who's never gone through anything hard like that. Maybe for you, you've just always kind of seen life like this. You have that that awesome gift to just somehow naturally know that life is about more than you. I think, I believe at the core of all humanity, we have this built into us. In fact, if you think about the times you felt most alive in life, they're probably the times when you're experiencing your life impacting another. This is kind of validated in the scripture. And this is where I kind of want to start our conversation today in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. This this scripture is really transformation. I want you to look at this, this first part. It is God himself who has made us what we are. This part of the scripture in and of itself kind of changes the way that we live because we begin to understand that I'm not an accident. The way that I think, the way that I perceive the world, the interests that I have, the dreams that are in my heart to pursue, they're not just by default, they're actually by design. God has put these things in me, and I applaud our society and our culture, because we're getting much better at this. Uh, We're all getting more comfortable saying things like, listen, bro, you do you, I'm going to do me, I'm going to do my own thing, you know, you be you, this authenticity, and while we may not be there fully yet, we are trying our best, and we're evolving to a place where we're comfortable, and we understand that we don't have to all be the same. We can have these pursuits, and we can push towards new things, and be different, and that's okay. In fact, God says it's him himself who made us what we are, but he didn't just stop there. God didn't just give you dreams and pursuits and a personality and passions. No, he's also given us new lives from Christ Jesus. What does that mean? God gave us Jesus so that in pursuit of all of these dreams, these things that we have on the inside of our hearts, we no longer have to be held captive or prisoner to be held back to the things that normally would have held us back. What am I talking about? Our past Our failures, our mistakes, all of the things in our life that we would think would disqualify us. Maybe the family that we were brought up in. I could never be a success because look at my parents or look at the family that I was brought up in. God gave us Jesus Christ to give us this grace, this empowerment to not just push towards our dreams, but to have this supernatural power to be able to accomplish those dreams. But God didn't just end there because if it ended there, even that would be extremely selfish. It would be us pushing towards this this place of authenticity and this place of, of, of achieving accolades and different things, but it would just be for the sake of achieving things. God didn't stop there. He said this, And long, ages ago, He planned that we should spend these lives... What are these lives as we reach towards our dreams, as we go to work every single day with this empowerment from God to not have to live subject to the culture or the currents of society, to live subject to the norm, that we would push on and that we would spend these lives in helping others. What is my point today? This is what I'm saying. God didn't just save us from something. God saved us for something. God didn't just save you from your past and deliver you and give you hope in a future. He didn't just create a space like the local church so you can come and just know that you're loved. No, he didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. You have something to accomplish in this life. And that's what we're talking about today, that you would use your life to somehow affect change in the world around you. That when you're dead and gone, when your life here on earth is over, that there's a footprint that you existed, that people would know that you were here. I think at the core of who we are, we all have this yearning and this desire that, yeah, I really would like to make a difference. If we're honest, I really would like to make a difference. If if I was able to, if there was somehow a way for me to make a difference in the world around me, I think I would do it. But most of us, this is just the fact of the matter. Most of us never do. I want to talk about three different things, and there's a ton of them, but I want to talk about three things specifically that I think keep us from being everything really that God has called us to be. Why does that matter? Because when you understand why you were made, why you are here, that's the place that you're going to find the most fulfillment in life. So I want to talk about three different things. The first thing that I think keeps us back from making a difference in the world around us is fear. Fear. I think it's just the the clearest example. Maybe we're afraid of what people would think. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what family members would think if we step out and we express ourselves in this unique way that may damage their reputation. But I think the number one reason we're really afraid, I think we're afraid that we may not have enough. We're afraid of not having enough. Why? Because when we look at our lives, we look at the situations that we're facing, it's like, how can I help others when I need help myself? I'm dealing with bad doctor's diagnosis and I'm dealing with financial crisis and my marriage is on the rocks and and you don't know what I've been through and you don't know what I've done. How could God use me? How can my life really make a difference if I extend myself beyond myself? What about me? God talks about this in the scripture. There's this story about this lady whose husband dies. And when he dies, he actually had a lot of debt. So the creditors come to collect his debt. Well, she has no money. Not only does she have no money, but she has no food in the house at all. So the creditors come with the intention that they're gonna take her two sons as slaves. So she comes, in the Bible, there was uh, these guys called prophets. You would most likely know them as like a a preacher or somebody that works for the church. And so she comes to this guy, his name's Elisha, and we pick up the story here. And Elisha, the church worker, he he said back to the lady, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, What do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, actually, okay, I do have a little oil, but but that's it. Here's what you do, said Elisha. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all of your neighbors. And not just a few, get all you can get. Then come home and lock the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. So she did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the containers to her. She filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full... She said to one of her sons, okay, give me another jug. He said, that's it. There's no more jugs. And at that point, the oil stopped. She went and told the story to the man of God. He said, go now and sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what is left. This is a great picture of what God wants to do in our lives. Even in the middle of this woman's fear. Could you imagine? She wasn't fearing for her life. I I don't think for a second. I think she was fearing for the life of of her sons. She was in a place of desperation. How do I make a difference? How can I make a difference in my son's lives when I have nothing to give? And here this man of God comes to her and says, what do, you, what do you have? And this is really, I think, the question that God is asking to us. see in life. You can't do everything, but you can do something. There's times in life that you can't do everything that you want to do. You may not be able to make the difference that you desire to make. That doesn't change the fact that you can still make a difference. What has God given you? How has God geared you? What can you do with your life to make a difference in the life of somebody else? The second reason I think that we're limited from stepping out to make a difference is this, delusions. I think we're delusional sometimes. We don't see things clearly. We start thinking that one, this is all there is. It's funny how we settle into this mentality, even as Christians, right? I mean, we would say that we believe that there's an afterlife. That's probably what drives most of us to church, right? That life doesn't just end here, that we spend forever in heaven or hell. We believe that there's an afterlife, or at some point, we genuinely believe that Jesus was the hope of the world, that everybody needed to hear about him. Yet, when we look at our lives, we don't, if we're honest, we don't really live like it. We get, we get so just intoxicated by the busyness of life, don't we? The routine, and we start living like this is all there is. I got to go to school so I can get into a good college. If I can get into a good college, then hopefully I can get a good job so that one day I can make enough money to get married and have a family. And then after I have a family, I can keep working so I can get my kids grown and my kids out of the house. So one day, me and my spouse, we can retire and travel the world. And you wake up, you're 60, you're 70, you're 80, you're 90 years old. And what do you have to show for your life? Wow, look at them. They're a great example of the American dream, Man, and they've made a lot of money. Look at all the things that they achieved. Is that really what life is all about? I don't know about you, but for me, I want to take the things that I do in my day-in, day-out life, and I want to use them to affect change in the life of those around me. I can't live as if this is all that exists. There has to be more. The second delusion is this, that someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Somebody else will make a difference. The problem with this is more people think like this than you think. So while you're thinking, oh, somebody else will do it, somebody else will help, the other person's thinking, oh, somebody else will help, and the job never gets done. Sometimes we pass people, and we don't even consider the fact that maybe we could be the need meter in that situation. We think that someone else will do it. I think we approach church sometimes like this don't we? That we think that the people within the church, maybe the pastors or the teachers, the people that work for the church, it's their job to affect change, right? They're the ministers. We think that maybe some great nonprofit organization is going to change the world. I I can speak as far as Christianity is concerned, as far as the Bible is concerned, when it talks about the actual ministers. In fact, the people that, that work for the church, what the Bible says is those people actually aren't the ministers, the Bible says that it's actually the church workers' jobs, the pastors, the preachers, the teachers. It's their job to train, to train the saints or the people that attend the church for the work of the ministry. What am I saying? I'm saying you're a minister. No, no, I'm not. I just work a job. No, no, no. You're a minister. The problem is the term ministry has gotten hijacked. This is what ministry really is. Ministry is using your life to help others. When you use in your own unique way your time, your talent, your treasure to effect change in the world around you, you are a minister. No, I'm just a construction worker. No, you're not just a construction worker. You do construction, and construction is your ministry. Through your conversations with coworkers, you are guiding them through the storms of life. With your hands, you are building a home that a family will be housed in. You may think to yourself today, I'm just a teacher. No, you're not just a teacher. Teaching is your ministry. You are speaking life and framing the worldview and the ideology of students, our future leaders. You are speaking into in in purpose, and you're pulling out potential out of students whose parents for decades have told them that they would amount to nothing. You are not just a teacher. You are a minister. Teaching is your ministry. You may say to yourself, I'm just a doctor. You're not just a doctor. You are the hands of God in the earth, and you are affecting change and bring he- bringing healing to people that other Otherwise would have no way to access it. You may be here today, and maybe you're you're a high school student, or you're still in school. It's like, I don't even have a real job yet. No, but you can be a friend. And through your listening ear, through your compassion, through your ability just to just be there, God can use you to change someone's life. You are a minister. You're a minister. When you use your life to affect change in the world. Around you. The last reason I want to talk about today that kind of limits us from maybe making a difference is this comparison. Comparison. We look at the people around us and we think, yeah, I can do this, but this is just this. I could never do that. I'm not as good as them. And you know, things like social media don't help this, right? Help help this, right? I mean, everything just looks so grand. Like anybody can be a public figure or a photographer or a model. And you're like, here, I'm just a potato. My life's boring. Like, what do I have to offer with my life, right? This is, this is the life. This is the world that we live in. Don't ever underestimate the power that God has given you. There is something unique that God has crafted you to do. Your own unique expression in this earth. Don't underestimate. This is what we tend to do. We underestimate ourselves and we overestimate others. We underestimate the things that God has given us. And this is something that's really important to acknowledge. Every single one of us has been given something by God to use. You may not know what it is. I throw around terms when I speak a lot like talent and and passion and there's things that you're good at. Really what I'm talking about, what the Bible calls these are spiritual gifts, And the Bible says that God has given each and every one of us a spiritual gift. You may not even know what your spiritual gift is. Beginning of this next year, even as a church, we're developing new things that we're going to implement that are going to help you discover your your spiritual gifts. But you have something that God has given you to make a difference. Don't ever feel like you have to be like somebody else. Fight to be you. Fight to find the thing that makes you you and somehow use it to make a difference. I like it said like this. God doesn't expect you to be something you're not. Because God expecting you to be something you're not would be God expecting you to be something he never made you to be. God has given you something that makes you you that he wants to use to make a difference. I guess the big question for us most of the time then at this point is how? What am I supposed to do? And for some reason in our society, I think because we're so goal-driven, goal-oriented, we have this tendency to magnify what we're doing we magnify what we're doing, and we lessen the idea of why we're doing it. Really, what matters is why we do what we do, because throughout your life, what you do will change. You may have a certain job or a certain something that you're interested in now. You know what? Ten years down the road, you may not be interested in, this, in, in the same thing. God can still use you, because what the motivating factor is, is the Why? How do we change the world? How do we make a difference? And this is the part that I hope you don't allow to go over your head because it can sound really fluffy and really like, okay, yeah, we heard this. It it just seems a little bit too simple. But here's this. Here's how we make a difference. It's this power that God has given us. It's called the power of love. When you use love... And you channel it through your talent, through your life, through your occupation to make a difference. You're able to see transformation in the lives around you. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's really cultural. It's like a slogan. No, no, no. This originated from God himself. In fact, Jesus said it like this, John 13, 35. Love one another. In the same way I have loved you. What does that mean? How has God loved you? Even when you knew to do better and you did wrong, God still loved you and he accepted you. Even when you turned your back on God, even when you didn't deserve to be loved, God extended this grace and this mercy and told you that even when you really weren't, he told you that you were important. He told you that you mattered. and he told you that you could still make a difference. In the same way that I have loved you, in that way, in that unconditional way, you love one another. Because this is how everyone will recognize that you're really a Christian, that you really believe in Jesus when they see the love you have for each other. Not the great message that you preach or how you make people feel bad for not seeing things the same way that you do. No, when you get, when you see a bigger picture and you say, I'm going to use my life to show love to someone else, that's how we make a difference. I don't know, it just seems a little bit too simple. Let us not forget the simplicity of the gospel. Let us not forget the simplicity of the gospel. For God so loved the world he gave. For God so loved the world he gave. For God so loved the world he gave. God did not give his son because he felt bad for you. God did not give his son because he felt like he made a mistake. God did not give his son because, well, maybe I was a little bit too hard on Adam and Eve. God gave his son because he loved. And if God's love was enough to get man connected to God, then our love is enough to get people connected back to God. Do not underestimate the power of love. Because when we show love, here's the awesome thing. When we show love, we show people God. And every act of love acts as a stepping stone towards someone's decision towards Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Jesus Christ. Long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. You can make a difference you can make a difference. I remember when I was in grade school, um, there was this one yard duty. I don't know if you know what yard duties are, but basically it was like the people that volunteered their time to watch the kids during the recess, like breaks so the teachers can get a break. And uh, you had to really love kids to, to take this job because they didn't really pay you very much and it was more of like a monetary thank you than an actual wage. And uh, I remember at this point in my life during grade school, I was, um, I was a bit of a misfit. In fact, I never really felt like I fit it, even today. I still struggle with that I don't feel like I, I really fit in Especially in the line of work um, That I am And I remember one day We were at recess And while the other kids Were playing sports Me and my couple of friends We'd walk the perimeter Of this recess yard And we'd look for little tree frogs It was kind of like Our thing And we got made fun of it For it like, like crazy Like people were just brutal But there was this one yard duty Who always step up And defend us And she'd come And she'd have conversation And she'd make us feel Like we were normal Like we were okay And um I remember it just like yesterday. It's so weird how I remember it, but it was, it was a Friday, and I was by myself, and I was kind of making my rounds, you know, collecting tree frogs. And she did what she always did. She came right before me, hey, what are you doing? And we had this conversation, and, and I told her, and she, she kept the conversation going, do you have a place to keep your frogs when you catch them? I'm like embarrassed, you know, that she's even talking to me about it. I'm like, no, I just let them go, you know, at the end of recess. So I have this aquarium at home. I'd love to bring it for you Monday. And uh, you can have it, and you can have a place to keep all of your little frogs. And I was so excited as a kid. Like, wow, this is so awesome. Like, I was just so, so ecstatic. I remember I couldn't wait for the weekend to be over, for Monday to roll around. And when Monday came around, that day that the yard duty wasn't there, it wasn't abnormal because sometimes she'd be, you know, scheduled different times. But as the days went on, she never showed back up. I remember she was pregnant. She was expecting a, a child in the next couple months. At the end of that, um, the end of that week, they made an announcement that her... And her baby had been killed in a tragic automobile accident while traveling over the Herndon Overpass in Fresno. I remember as a kid, I mean, just feeling sick to my stomach, not because I could care less about the aquarium. It was just the fact that this lady had lost her life. It's funny, because at this point in my life, standing here today, I've seen a lot of tragedy. I've had family members die of cancer. I've had people that I loved... Die and you have no reason, reason why they, they passed away. I've seen a lot of tragedy. And some, somehow, some way, I, I still can't wipe this yard duty from the expanse of my memory. I don't really remember what she did as a yard duty, but I will never forget the way she made me feel. She made me feel loved and accepted like I mattered, like I was enough. I have no clue if that lady was a Christian or not. Can I tell you something? Her act of love, it inspires me even today. As a leader in the local church, it inspires me today in my interactions. When I look out and I'm having conversations with people, I often think of that yard duty. When I see kids that seem like misfits, just don't fit in, I think of that yard duty. I think of the love that she showed me and I am moved by the difference she made. And now long after she's gone, she's still making a difference today. Do not underestimate the power of an act of love. God can use you. You may be thinking today, I I don't even know, I want to just give you some examples of but maybe how you can use your talents to make a difference. Just practical things, and maybe to kind of just get you thinking. I have a friend who leads a church, and um, there's this girl in their church, and she had gone and seen the movie Taken with Liam Neeson, and uh, she left the, the, the movie thinking, "Wow, I, there's no way that, you know, that human trafficking really happens." So she gets on the computer and she looks it up and finds out that it did, that it actually does, and she sees this nonprofit organization that actually rescues girls out of the sex trade, out of human trafficking. And she finds out that actually only 1% to 2% of people who, are in, who enter into the, the, the slave trade are ever rescued. And so she has this passion for art and for writing. And so she decides that she's going to write a letter to every single girl that is rescued telling them how important they are and how God still has a future for them and how they matter. In fact, here's a picture of some of the cards that, that she makes. How cool is that? And so this has become a thing. And so every week, every couple of weeks, her and her friends now get together and they make these cards and they write them to these girls who used to be in the sex trade and they tell them, God has a purpose for you. You're beautiful. You're worth something. God has a plan for your life. How incredible is that? Right here in this church, we have a staff team member with a friend. And her talent, she cuts hair. That's her thing. That's what she's good at. And and what she does is she cuts and she styles wigs for ladies that are going uh, through breast cancer, that are suffering with breast cancer and going through chemotherapy. How awesome is that? That they they could feel something like they're significant and they matter. Why? Through this woman just using what she already does, her talent, to make a difference. Uh, There's another one. It's a photographer. She takes pictures for free for families that have terminally ill children. Right here in our uh, Clovis campus, there's a guy named Jacob. And Jacob's a Zumba instructor. And this last year, what he did, instead of having all of his students that come to take Zumba class pay him money, um, what he did, he said, I want you to bring a gift for a child in need uh, this year. And so they all brought toys last year, and and instead of uh, paying money to go to the Zumba class, they took these toys, and they gave them to kids that normally wouldn't have Christmas gifts at Christmas. In fact, I got an email from him a couple weeks ago. He wants to do the same thing this year. Um, There's a lady in our church whose parent, um, she's really good at cooking. She started just making burritos and taking them to the homeless in town, and over the years, now she runs a warehouse where people bring truckloads of food every single week, and not just that, they give away diapers for babies, household supplies, (laughs) hygiene items. As a result of of someone just taking what they do and using it to make a difference. I look at the local church and I look at my life and I'm by no means anything spectacular. I'm just like you. I'm at a place in my life where I'm trying my best to to use my life to make a difference. But I look at the local church that I've been a part of and I'm so thankful for the local church because you may be asking yourself, yeah, but I don't really have like a, a super talent. To you, I would say to focus on the interactions that you do have. There's a couple in our church, uh, David and Jen. I talked about them first service. They've been going to our church probably 20 years. And uh, they made such an impact in my life. I was just thinking, thinking about it. And they used to always serve. When I was growing up, they would serve in the youth ministry. To them, it was probably just routine. Like, yeah, we need to serve. Maybe some of you feel like that. But to me, it was everything. To me, it made... A difference. I can remember every single year when they would go to youth camp and show up, even times when they were going through tough situations at home, they would make the sacrifice to find a way financially to be at those camps. I remember David at times in my life when I was just trying to figure out how to better my devotion with God, he'd make these funny little deals with me where he'd say, hey, let's get up at 5 30 in the morning at our own houses and we'll get up and we'll just pray and read the Bible. And if one person happens to oversleep or something like that, we'll give the other five bucks. It was these things that seem simple, that seemed maybe silly, but you know what? They've made me who I am today. Think about Jen came to me a couple weeks ago, and I guess I had shared a story um, here about how during my college years I kind of severed my relationship with my parents based upon some poor decisions that I was making. And she came to me and she, and she said, It's funny that you shared that story because I, she said, I remember they've been at the church this long. I remember back then when you were going through that, your parents never told anybody anything, so we didn't know. She said, But I can remember in that exact season of your life, David coming to me and saying, Hey, I really feel like we need to pray for Nick. What were they doing? They were using your, their lives the everyday things, the things that seemed extremely ordinary to make a difference in mine. And I believe it's because of those things that I'm able to play my little part here today. What I'm saying is this. God wants to use the ordinary in your life to make an extraordinary difference. God wants to use the simple things that all of us tend to overlook in our lives to make an extraordinary difference. When we show love to others, we play a role in everyone's story, ultimately, to encountering hope through Jesus Christ. Let's pray today. God, we just thank you. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.